This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels 
Philly yeah. Philly Flyers shirt. Like we're gonna we're gonna start with the Flyers shirt. I mean, you're going all in right up front. I think I think some statements have to be made. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, we're Philly fans. We're we're used to disappointment, but you know what? One team loses, we're going right back for another, and you know we like rivalries. So here we are. I'll tell you, man. All my dealings in this world, there are a lot of my buddies that now reside or have come from the Philadelphia area, right? Delco, right? Let's just talk about Delaware County, Pennsylvania is an unbelievable place, man. It's unique to the people that live there. And if you don't live there, you don't belong there. Fact. Well, you know know what? You're either, you're either from Delco or you're not. That's it. I love it. I absolutely love it, man. And, uh, and now going all in on the orange and black first thing on the podcast. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm here for it. I love it. What are we doing, Mr. Angelosi? So let's talk about this. You and I, we have crossed paths several times. I remember the first time we met was in Wildwood, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in the yeah, parking lot. Ago. Yeah, and yep. that was cool. Um, you were an absolute gentleman. Um, the way you carry yourself, the way you engage, the way you talk, um, it's so um, real. It's so authentic. You are a a big soul, big hearted person um, who is passionate about fire service, but more so the people you surround yourself with. I've seen it firsthand. You embraced me from day one. We have become friends. And what's fun about that is we've only talked a handful of times, but every time we have, it's like you see past everything and you go deep into my soul. I swear to God, like this isn't, this isn't lip service. Like I am looking forward to today, just sitting down and chopping it up with you. Because when yeah. you and I got together the last couple times and just chatted, it's like we yeah. ran down some roads, man. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny when when I uh, I'm totally humbled uh, by the, your kind words. And uh, when people say I have a big heart, I usually say it's cholesterol filled. So it's not- <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, that's part of uh, that's part of growing up in Philly, man. We're brawl. You're yeah. brawlers down there, right? You don't care. No, nah, we uh, we always have a good time. We always find a way to have a good time, too. Of course. I'll tell you, uh, I, I'm not kidding when I say all that. And um, humbled you shouldn't be because you you wear it on your sleeve, man. And um, you're a solid dude that uh, you're very warm. Uncle Tony, right? I mean, it's just yeah, it's, it's Tony, just who. Yeah, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Tony Alosi by some, but Uncle Tony by many. And that's who you are, though. And it's not just in the firehouse. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your town. It's with the people you run with. It's the guys you train and work with. Your Uncle Tony, you're that guy. Like, and there's something about that. We need Uncle Tony in every circle we run in. Well, it's uh, it's only because I was shown that way growing up, right? So um, my dad, Rich, awesome guy. I'm a second generation fireman. I learned it from him. Like, he's, he's that guy at, like, seven o'clock in the morning when people were coming in for work he was always like good morning they're like why are you so awake he's like why not you know i always tell people it's easier to be happy you get to burn more calories that way <laughs> but no uh but but my dad's awesome like so i was just telling you before we got started a little bit like we're going through a move right now uh we just moved in the ridley park delco uh two weeks ago and coincidentally like it's around the corner from my mom and dad wow so it's like my dad's like super excited. It's like he's like knocking up for his friend now. He was just here like ten minutes ago. He's like, "Yeah, hey, what are you doing?" So wait, yeah, but I, so your mom and dad is that where you grew up? So I grew up in Fallcroft, also okay. Delaware County. I know nothing other than Delaware County, Delco. Well, that's right? kind, so that's I kind of how that I grew works. Up in Fallcroft. 
yeah, I grew up, I grew up in Falcroft. Um, it was a blue collar town, a lot of hardworking, uh, men and women. Um, I was around the firehouse from the day I was born. So it was, oh, that's all I knew was the firehouse. Right. So it was great. Like my dad was always there. Um, every afternoon you could find us there at three 30 until five 15. He'd always be hanging. The mailman would be there. Cops would be popping in. And it was kind of like, it was the place to be. And, uh, but that's where I really learned about the fire service and community, um, was just being there and being around like-minded people like, Hey, how's things with school? How are you making out? I'd be walking around the engine room. Like it's, it's so funny. Like when I pop in there to this day, it's like the smell, like just walking into the fire. hundred percent. hundred freaking percent. I'm like, Oh man, I'm home. Like, yes. This is awesome. Yes. And, uh, you know, the people change, uh, but like, just like the brick and mortar and the memories there, it's just like, that takes me so far back to when I was young. It's like being a kid again. There is something about walking in the door every single time the way the door sounds when you walk through it and then that smell hits you. And it just brings back my childhood of like knowing that when you cross that threshold into that firehouse, it was like sacred land almost. It was like something special and your senses hit you. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because um, I was lucky. Um, I went to Monsignor Bonner high school. It's in Drexel Hill, also Delco. And so that was like, that was like the melting pot of volunteer firefighters. Mm. Like there was guys from Collingdale, Upper Darby, Tinicum. And like, that's really like where like that community really started to build was like, we'd see each other in the morning walking from the trolley. And we're like, yeah, we heard you guys had a fire last night. And it was just like, and then we all went to fire one together in uh, 2000. So guys from that fire one class that I went with, one's now deputy chief in the city of Philadelphia. Another is a lieutenant in the ladder company in the Bronx. Another was one of my captains. On the, and then we all went to fire one together. And it's yeah. just like all we wanted to do growing up was just become a fireman. Now, were all those kids, yeah. were they products of their environment too? Like they grew up in a firehouse also. They had that They had that upbringing? 100%. 100%. Thinking back on it now, with the exception of one, all were second generation themselves. Mm. And it was like, it was just like mind blowing because I remember one morning it was like in, I think it was 2000, I'm getting off the trolley and they had a really good apartment fire going across the street. And I remember getting, looking down the street, smoke's blowing out of this apartment building and there's people coming down the main with the firemen. And that was my, my first introduction to Upper Darby. I was like, man, like if I could do anything, that's where I want to be. I want to be like an Upper Darby fireman when I get older. And uh, that was like my first thing, like. Most kids growing up talk about sports and stuff. Yeah. We, we used to watch the Braves on Saturday nights, like stay up late. And then like Monday, like, oh, they were riding with rescue two over the weekend. Like we could name, we could name people on the TV shows. Like most people can name like the 27 Yankees or something. <laughs> it's just like, but that was the, that was the mindset. That is so accurate. <laughs> like it really is. It's the focus, right? Like, and to be able to have a crew around you, that you guys went to yeah. school together and had that shared those similarities and those um, those passions together just fuel each other even more. I mean, I know like when I went through high school, like being a volunteer fireman, I was one of like two or three kids in school that did that. You know, nobody else yeah. did that. And nobody yeah. and, and it wasn't looked upon as like anything of of a uh, I don't know, like an honorable service or anything. It was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? There was no there was a total misunderstanding about what it was all about. And so yeah. I didn't have that like group, you know, 
But man, sure. I if I could run out and run, go to a run, I would, you know. And it's like we had, we, had a, we actually we actually had a hook in the Dean of Men. He was a he was a board of director at Manoa Fire Company. So it was like if there was like a daytime job, it wasn't uncommon to see like a couple cars tearing out of a parking lot, and you'd get the slip to come back to class. I love that. I had on my podcast very very early on was a guy that was. Um, important to me in my early stages of my firefighting career and um al evangelista he was a he was a guest on the podcast very early on when i started this because he was a mentor to me he was one of our shop teachers he taught auto shop he taught different shop classes he ended up becoming the principal of the high school which is wild after i was long gone he became the principal but he was a volunteer fire chief and a huge staple in a community two towns over And I, I'll never forget this, Tony. I was sitting the one day uh, Pager goes off in school, right? We didn't have, like, e-dispatch or any of that bullshit back then, right? Sure. We had fire pagers, right? Pager went off. Minute or one? Did you have, like, the old school brick minute or one? Do you remember the minute or one that had it plugged into the charger and then the, the wire came out and then plugged into the front of it yeah, with the long bar squelch? It had the long bar squelch on it, right? Great. 100%, right? So... All of that, and then I remember this, like, we had a, it came in as, like, a dryer fire or something, right, in a residential building and uh, or a home, and uh, I remember running out to my truck. I had a full-size Bronco, and inside, what'd you have? Scanner, you know, a, yeah. a box with switches on it for all your blue lights, right? Like, this was, I had a full-size Bronco, like, pimped out, ready to go, and, uh, and this was when I was 18 years old, and I was so... I remember sitting in the truck listening to the scanner and, and Al Evangelista walks by and he goes, what are you doing? Because I was supposed to be in class. He goes, what are you doing? I said, it sounds like we have we have a fire. And he goes, listen, if it goes second alarm, I'll drive you myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and as an 18-year-old kid, that yeah. was, it's so impressionable, right? Like yeah. that story to me sticks with me all these years later that this guy yeah. was so cool about it because he had such a passion for it and he loved sharing it with kids that wanted to be a part of it. It was awesome. Yeah, that's so, a big thing is you have that mentor, that person that's kind of like pushing you. And I always I always clung to stuff like that. Mm. Like, number one, like my dad was my mentor, right? So it was like he was setting the way of always being happy and asking people how they were doing. I'm like, well, that's just the right thing to do. Call yes. Mr. Mrs. Say hi, hold a door. Like those are good characteristics and traits to have. And then growing up, like I always clung to senior men and the mentors. Like if somebody was like, I wanted to be mentored. Like that was just like, we were really lucky at the firehouses I was at. There was always really solid senior men, not taken away from the officers and, and the, the chiefs and stuff. But there was always really good senior men that were like willing to sit down and talk to you. And I always, always love those conversations. What, what was it about those conversations? Though? What were you looking for? What was it that made you dial in and say, man, these are the guys I want to surround myself with? I guess it was just always how they carried themselves, mm. their, their ability to perform. They never, they never really yelled at you, mm. right? Because like one good thing I was told one time by one of the senior men was the reason why people yell is because they can't control it themselves, right? So like they can't control the situation. So they're now yelling because they can't control it. So being able to take the time and actually talk to somebody to try and get that communication across. Trust me, I'm not a hundred percent with that either. Like, I get it. There's times. Sure. I am I am the junior guy on my crew by about twelve years. I haven't got a picture. I haven't got a picture of the boys. Awesome. I love it. After after a good job. But like they are the most patient people. And they are always like, trust me, because I'm at that danger zone where I got five years on now. So it's kind of like, ah, whatever. They're like, 
yo, dude, shut it down. I'm like, you're right. Like, humble you real quick. Like, I'm lucky to have those mentors. And I always, I always clung to that in my station assignments. I always, I didn't always try to pick like the busiest. It was like, who's got the most senior men in the house? And then I can go learn from them. You know, that's a, that's a very good point because when you look at a house that has seniority in it, it typically is a house that people want to be in, right? Because there's that, they allow that to thrive there. Like guys that have years in that are still into it, right? That are good senior people. They don't want to put themselves in a place that they can't excel, right? They want to be in a place of like-minded people. And so they, they flock to that. Yeah, we are, I would say probably one of the busiest engine companies in the County. And it's probably the most sought after spot. Like I had senior guys call me, I had like a year on and it just lucked out. We go through a bidding process that you can pick your spots. And then like, it just, got to me and i'm like absolutely like i'm going engine 36 on the a those were like those no, are the guys i no hung question. out with all the time yeah like, dude this is great man like this is like my dream i get to work in upper darby i get to work on a busy engine and then even so like i lived out back to firehouse because i couldn't get enough of it like <laughs> do you know, i walked out my back door yeah do you know oh yeah that's right i forgot about that yeah, yeah. do you know yeah. what I, I just before i lose my train of thought on this you know talking about senior people and so on but like man there's such a there's such a way about it that when you're all in like that, you don't want to let them down, right? Like yeah. when you when you own it like you do and you want to be in a place where you have mentors available to you, you yeah. work harder because you don't want to fall down on their watch. You don't want to fall down on their tutelage, right? Like they're there to tutor yeah. you and to mentor you. So we work even harder under conditions like that, right? Yeah, 100%. So... Back in 2003, I joined Darby Fire Company, which is, it's not, like, there's sometimes that misconception. This was Darby Fire Company. It's a small barrow. It's less than a square mile. Tough urban area, busy with fire duty. And I joined there. I was 18 years old. I'm like, dude, this is great. Like, they were, they were always going to fires. I'm like, I got to do it. And when I was 23, they came to me and said, hey, listen, we want you to be a lieutenant. And I was like, these were the senior guys. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, they're like, no, you're, you're going to do it because you know what? You got to learn. And we're going to be here for it. We're going to be right behind you. We're going to show you the way, but you need to get the experience because you're going to be here. So regardless, you're going to be in that seat. And I, it's funny you wrote that because it's like one of the notes I wrote down was like, you just didn't want to let those members down. Like those, those were like your coaches. They're, they're showing you like what to do. And you're like, man, I owe it to them to do it right. <laughs> There's so much to that. I think it has a lot to do with your upbringing, though, too. And that, that's a big part of it, right, is, like, your work yeah. ethic and the, account of, the accountability you have for yourself. But people that want to challenge themselves by you – you can only challenge yourself by putting yourself in a position where, you need, where you're going to be challenged, right? It's yeah. easy to take the easy way. If you didn't want to go to that busy engine house and you didn't want to go with the guys that were there because eh, I'd rather it's just easier to take this road instead of that road – well, then there's yeah. no level of expectation or your lack or your level of disappointment to the others around you. You don't really care about, right? It's when you take yeah. that road that puts you and makes you and pushes you to be better. That's where you have to perform and excel so that you do not disappoint along the way. Yeah. And I, like the biggest thing is like my life has been all about starting over. Mm. If there is anything like I could do, it's like, so when I was 18, I was like, cool, I can move out of my house on a whim. I, I just moved out. I moved into a, into a place with a buddy of mine, like the, the assistant chief at Darby at the time. He's like, hey, man, I got a place that's attached to my house. Why don't you come live here? I'm like, cool. It's even closer to the firehouse. I can make the first truck. Awesome. And uh, 
so from there it was just like then i got a job working on the ambulance and then from there it's just like i just continued like it was all about starting over and that's probably been like the hardest thing that's probably why i get so sentimental about the past was because when i was a kid that was like my my continuity and consistency and once i was out of that house it was always trying to find trying to find your way and navigate those waters but i've always had like those mentors that have always been like hey man how are you making out or you put in your, your deferred comp or something like that. Do you have benefits? Blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's been a revolving door of like just starting over and change. Has it, has it come full circle though, to where you're not so much starting over now you've, you've laid that foundation and found your way, if you will. I, I mean, here I am, my house moved into a house two weeks ago. So it's like, but one of the, the one of the consistencies, one of the, the drivers is like, what a, you have the roof over your head. I'm a father now. Got two awesome girls, Kaylin and Cassidy. So trying to be what my dad was to me, yeah, for them, yeah, and being around more. I mean, he was he was a union worker. Like he worked at nights all the time. He, he wasn't around in the afternoons and stuff like that. He was for about an hour and a half, but like we weren't spending a ton of time together, right? So it's just like I want to try and make him proud by like because he now he's coming to the soccer games with us and all the different sporting events. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's okay to start over, right? Like yeah. if you find like things, things are getting mundane, you're not really challenging yourself. And I mean, I went to, I was a firefighter for 15 years as a volunteer. And then I got hired in Upper Darby in 2015. First thing they do is say, all right, pack your bags. You're going to Philadelphia fire academy. Right. So it's like now all of a sudden you're, you're nobody. You're down here. Went through EMT school again, fire one, fire two. I had had it all, but you know what? Here was a place that I was able to get paid to go learn from one of the oldest fire departments in the nation and one of the toughest academies. And I had like a smile, like ear to ear. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, wow, check out that truck. Walking down the hallway, it was like checking out things on the walls. I'm like, this is awesome, man. It's okay to start over sometimes, you know? I think starting over takes a lot of courage. I think most people are scared to death about taking a step backwards and they double down on stepping forward, and a lot of times that's where they fail. And I yeah. think that, you know, <clears throat> this gets pretty deep, but, like, I'm thinking about my own life now, and I'm, and, and I'm not afraid to take pause or to take a step back so I can – I think that taking one or two steps backwards will get me ahead, then I will do yeah. that, you know? Um, but I don't think I would have done that. Like you said, at 18 years old, 20 years old, 22 years old, you're chasing everything you want in front of you and you don't take pause. You don't, you're not mature enough to really understand the need for a plan or, or, uh, you know, or to, and I, not that I have a plan now. I mean, I'm 46 years old, bro. And I'm, I'm like, if I had to start over tomorrow, okay, I got to start yeah. over, you know? Um, I got the moving boxes if you need them. <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. But but here you are. And I think what's I think the other thing about that too, Tony, is that you have this way about you though where this like lightheartedness comes from. But I know sometimes that guys that do everything for everybody else sometimes have that internal struggle that they don't share with others. I have that yeah. at times. I have mm -hmm. that at times. I've come to realize that I have to start saying no. That's that's a battle. 
that I constantly have because I'm a yes man. Like, yeah, man, whatever you need, like here for you. Happy. To, and then you start dropping the ball on people or you stop full, you know, fulfilling, uh, you know, things that you promised, or it starts to affect your real world, like your family and your children. All of a sudden you're putting people sure. ahead of them. Oh yeah. You need me to open up the fire hall for bingo that night? Sure. I, I'll, I'll do it. I'm the guy. Right. Oh, you need uncle Tony to do this. Sure. Uncle Tony would do that. You need uncle Tony to meet you there and open up the building. Sure. Uncle Tony. But we're yes guys, right? Are we? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. And I tell you what, that's like the hard part, man. Yes. I got all, the, I got all the acronyms under the sun. I got OCD, ADD, ADHD, VCR, DVD, WD-40. Like, I got it. And that's the hard part it. is because you find yourself making all these commitments. Yes. And because of that, you lose your date book. Yes. And then all of a sudden, like I call it uh, like manic productivity. Like mm. you get like this rush and it's just like, you just feel like you can take on the world and you start knocking things out and you'll make deadlines. But you're like, in the meantime, it's like, all right, well, I got to get that done too. Or like, oh man, I, I forgot to update this. Like, so it's like, you may knock some things out, but there are some things that are going to go to the wayside. Manic productivity. That is poetic because that <laughs> describes, it literally puts in perspective for me, some of how I manage some things in my life. Yeah. I, Absolutely. There's so many similarities here. And this is what I love. Like, this is why for me, I get to do this podcast and it's moments yeah. like this where I sit here and go, this is that connection. That's why you and I, this is why we connect. This is why we click. Yeah. You know, we don't talk, we don't talk for months. And then all of a sudden, like just a, a random text message. Hey brother, I was yeah. thinking of you. I hope you and your family are doing well. And then you and I talk for 20 minutes back and forth. And then yeah. it's just that pick me up. But like, it takes one to know one. And, and that's what I love about this. And it, it's funny because uh, I dropped the girls off. They go to St. Andrews in Delco. <laughs> and uh, so it's nice because the church is attached right to the school. So it's nice because I usually get about five, ten minutes where I drop them off and I go into the church and I just I just sit. Do you right? really? That's beautiful. Yeah. So they got awesome stained glass windows. Like it's just it's all concrete inside. It's it's it is a beautiful church. Right. So. It's not about faith. It's the church is quiet, right? It's just, it's quiet. Like it's, it's nice because there's no dings from the phone. There's nothing like you just get to sit and think, right? So it's so funny. I usually pick up the bulletin to see when like the free donut Sunday is like, just to get a freebie, but it's funny in, in the, in this week's bulletin, right? Because I know I had today and out of just dumb luck or a sign from the big guy that, the Monsignor put, um, this was published in January 1911. It was the edition of the Illustrated London News, and the quote was, the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. So when you think about starting over, right, like when you're saying, like, it's scary as hell, right? It, it is scary as hell. But you do it because you love everybody that's behind you, your family, your brothers, and tasks that you're doing. And it, that's where it's always like, I was just like, man, are you kidding me, dude? Like, you're going to give me that layup like that? Like, that golden nugget? Like, just sitting there? <laughs> like, that's unbelievable. Now I get to share, like, an hour later. That's wild. This is, this is, so my wife and I, I talk about my wife a lot. She's my rock. And um, we just had an episode come out yesterday where we talked about uh, myself and another guy. We we're talking about our, our families and so on. And we didn't mean to yeah. talk about it, but we went down that road with that conversation. Sure. And at times I take my wife and children for granted. And I, and I think that they understand that everything that I do, the travel, the hustle, the speaking engagements, the trips, all this stuff, not being home, not being there, not being home for dinner, all these things, 
I take for granted that they understand I'm doing it for them, right? To yeah. to bring in money, to, you know, build a nest egg for their college or sure. for their weddings, futures, whatever it is, right? Our, our uh, uh, livability, right? All of it. And I take for granted that they understand that. And then I think, well, am I being selfish? And would they rather have me here and, and not that much money in the bank? Like, what what's that balance? And so when we do it for our loved ones, you're 100% right. You and I are programmed that way. Like, I do it because I need that little slice for myself to be to be the one out front in the fight. But I do it for everybody that's behind me. Like, yeah. I will lay down my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, it's so powerful. That message is amazing. And it's okay to be all romantic, too. You know what I yes. mean? Like, it's okay to be romantic about it. And like you said, like, our families, that's our foundation, right? So, like, I'm so lucky and blessed to have met Heather, right? Like, and it's so funny, again, because I was going through a divorce, right? So I was, like, in a period of my life, and I was just like, man, this is rough. And I met Heather, started over again. Right. So here we go, like starting all over again. And she has 100% like been my everything, my pusher. Right. Like after the first week at the Philadelphia Academy, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like I told her, I'm like, I think I'm going to quit. I wasn't mentally prepared for it. Mm. And she's like, well, all you said was you wanted to be a firefighter. You want, this is what you want to do. Now you're going to give up on it. She's like, well, how about this? If you're going to quit, I'm going to drag you to the car and I'm going to kick you out on penny pack. Like you're going, I don't care. I was like, yes, ma'am. All right. She goes, you have an opportunity to do something. Now you got to fulfill it. And it was just like starting over. Like you said, starting over is hard. But like you have those people that are behind you when you're going through that fight, that that's why you're doing. Can you read that again to me? That quote? Yeah. So the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. It's beautiful. Yeah. It really, uh, it really, it really captures what we're talking about, man, that this is a sign from the big guy, bro. <laughs> this is wild. Now, now, if I, now, if I can get that in like the Powerball or something. Yeah. Like right. That, yeah. Here we go. I, don't, I mean, you don't put no numbers in here, so I can't give you the lottery no. number, but no. man, does it hit it on the head, huh? It does. It does. But I think it also goes back to what we were talking about from the get where you and I, when we have a second to catch up, we do. And I, we've only met in person a few times, but there's this spirit about our, our relationship that matters. And it's that yeah. connectability, man. And uh, it's strong. And like just talking with you today, like the last half yeah. hour of this conversation's just been freaking awesome. Like I could talk. You said, minutes. you said, I think we were texting and you said like, how long are we going to go for or whatever? I'm like, I have a feeling it's going to be all afternoon. Like you and I could probably go for hours and hours. That is so powerful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I think what's beautiful too is that you've realized though that you need to take that moment to sit in silence. I forget yeah. that. But I find that my time for me is when I drive. I spend a lot of time in my truck. Um, and a lot of time I drive in silence, which is weird. But mm -hmm. I drive with no music, no podcasts, no nothing on. And I just yeah. drive. And I literally think to myself, that is my time. Yeah. Have you always been that way? Or is it just as you've gotten older, you've noticed that you just need some a few minutes just to reconnect or decompress? Uh you know what? Like, it, it's weird because we're such, like I said, we're, we're like very like manic productivity people. Mm -hmm. Like we're always like, we, we are naturally, we hate silence. Like we don't like, if we walk into a room and it's quiet, we're like, this is weird. Right. So it's like, I'm always trying to start that conversation because it's all, 
like it's just anxiety but it's just like hey how are you what's going on you know, like tell me something about you like now we can just start talking it comes from your father right it comes yeah. from those moments yeah. of guys walking in the firehouse but the thing is that's cool about that and what you said earlier to circle back on it was people wanted to be there it was the place to be between three fifteen and 5 o'clock or whatever you said right because yeah. it was a friendly place where people were allowed to be themselves and have conversation with one another yeah and that's one of the, that's like one of the best memories. Like when I was down Darby, we had we had a bench out front of the firehouse. It was a two bay garage. Like you had to get on the piece like after it pulled out. But some of those conversations on that bench, especially after like an eleven o'clock at night run in the yeah. summer. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we used to call it like sitting on the boardwalk, just watching people go up and down the street, but like the laughs, and you couldn't be the first one to leave. Because you're going to miss something, you know, because it was like you're falling asleep, but you couldn't be that first one to leave and be like, dude, after you left, like you missed what happened or like you missed the first in blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, man, are we still are we still doing it? Well, I I haven't been in down Darby in a while because I I went to Upper Darby. Um, But whether it's whether it's Darby or Upper Darby or or Smithfield, Iowa, right? Like, are we still doing it? One of the coolest things that we did um, at Cardington Engine 36 was. We took like a table out of the hall and we put it in the engine room and then we put chairs around it. So in the morning, like my senior man, Jack, he wakes up like a quarter to six, puts the coffee on, opens the door. And he's just a firing squad waiting for guys to come in. Like we wake up because when the guys are coming in, then we just, we just start hammering them. Like we got the sports center on or the news and it's just to create that conversation. And guys are like, dude, we love like guys coming earlier now because it's like, Man, we want to take extra time because we know you're going to be up and we get to sit and chat. We're going to get our stones broke, you know? <laughs> that is a, that's a culture that people want to be a part of, right? When you create an environment yeah. where people don't want to miss something, it's the, yeah. win- it's the winning recipe, man. Yeah, that's probably one of the best times in the firehouse was this shift change, whether you're coming on or coming off, because you do either get to decompress a little bit about your shift or you get, you know, you know, hang out. Hey, how's the family? What's going on? How's things in your life? You get you get to keep your finger on the pulse a little bit, you know. But that means that you care about everybody that you work with. Oh, one way or another, yeah. It's like Well, I know, mean, how many whether volunteer or career, how many people don't give a shit about the guy next to him anymore? How many people walk with their head down and not with their head up? How many guys are not Uncle Tony saying, Hey, good morning, Frank. How are you, man? Yeah, how's Judy? It, how are your kids? Right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a tough thing, man, because I think sometimes you look we try to find negative things and you just forget like the good things. Like and and how many times like these guys have showed up to help you like going through the move, people are showing up left and right. I'm like, I did not think we we're gonna be able to pull this off. And guys are just like showing up. I'm like, man, that's awesome. And it's just like just by saying like, Hey, how are you? could like change somebody's day, you know? Hundred percent man you do not know what's happening behind closed doors we do not know what people are dealing with and a simple smile a simple two dollars for a cup of coffee to the guy pumping your gas you know something like that like goes a very long way man i talk about it a lot it's important this episode's brought to you by taylor's tins taylor and his crew at taylor's tins have been manufacturing Aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders, they can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf 
product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform. And Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a 4-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew, info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo, ask for information, or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. Yeah, and you got to reflect, right? Like, you got to go back and, like, what worked, what didn't. You can't, you may not always have the people there, but you think about the environment. What was that arena that made you smile or kept you humble or corrected you when you were wrong? So the, the faces might not be all the same in the room, but you can try to carry how things were to try to preserve it and, and move it forward. How know? protective are you of that, of that culture, of that way? Like, are you super protective that you will not allow any deviation? We need to maintain this level of empathy, compassion, brotherhood, all of it. I tell you what, like it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a double-edged sword, but sometimes your passion, what you have in your mind doesn't get projected mm. how you feel. Right. So it's like, like I said, sometimes you yell, it's because you can't control the situation. Like, you know, in your head, like it should be going one way, but you can't just come out of the door and be like, Hey, dumbass, why weren't you at the meeting? Because they'll be like, well, first off, like they're going to be in a defensive mode. Like, well, who are you? And you're like, well, you know, you know, you should be there, but instead of be like, Hey, listen guys, like we're getting a couple cases of beer. We got a meeting tonight or we got an event to go to. We're going to go to lunch afterwards and we can sit around, pal around, hang out. You in or you out? Like, you should have been there last time. Come this time and then we'll have you laughing your ass off or something. It's delivery, right? Like, that's what I think. That's a big part of what we're missing today are people that know how to... 
people that know how to get something from somebody. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a really good way. Yeah. It's like how to formulate the conversation or how to ask a question without putting the person on edge, especially when you're trying to get a point across, right? We've become so emotional about the conversations and always being personally attacked, always feeling that somebody's out to get them. And we need to, we need to work on our delivery of how we communicate with one another. And we can put all that at rest. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy because like you said, you don't know where the other person's coming from. You don't know. And you really think about, well, if you do get up somebody's butt for blowing a run or something like that, that might affect how they're driving the rest of the shift. Yes. Like I, I had like one of the senior guys I'm with, like, it was just how I came across. I'm like, yeah, why are we here? Like, why are we positioned here? And he's like, all of a sudden, like it caused him to like second guess himself. I'm like, man, I did that to him. Like I took his total mind frame and switched it. And now he may not be able to perform hundred percent just because of me saying, well, why did we park here? Guy's been doing you know, it for 25 years and now he's going to second guess himself because a guy he respects said something to him. And he's going to be like, what? Instead of just giving him a pass, right? All right. It's just how you present yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so when you talk about like having that conversation and it caused like, we had some like turmoil in our house, right? Like I'm not afraid to admit it. And it's tough with senior guys, type A personalities. Sure. And, and luckily my officer is great. We call him, you know, like Father Mike, you know, he's just like, he sat us all down. He's like, we're going to go around the table and we're going to figure it out. And we did. And like, it's been, it's been great ever since. Yeah. Like, it's just, you got to learn how to, how to talk to people properly. And know? we got to be able to have the hard conversations too. We can't shy away from it. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things too. Like, um, one of the big aspects that we've really focused on lately, especially within our department, is, is the mental health aspect. Mm. Um, so we've sent uh, members to uh, like the IFF has a program for um, for like, you know, the stressful situations, stuff like that, sure. like the critical. Yep. Stuff. And we had an outstanding response out of like 60 members. I think we sent like 10, 10 people. And um, we really put a focus on that. Like we had not going to lie, like two months ago, we had a really bad cause. Like one of those ones where it was like that made me like a wow after 20 some years. Yeah. And uh the first thing that happened was there was a, our the union president, Tommy, good friend of mine. He's like, do you need to go home or do you want to stay? I'm like, well, we're going to stay. And then he would, but he would check up on you. And he's like, we're not going to go through the stress thing now because you're, you're not going to be able to process it. He goes, in two days, though, I want you to be in this room with these people and you're going to talk about it. And I tell you what, like just going around the room with people that were on that call, just hearing everybody's version of it, like it was like that stress was mm. a big big relief and one of the biggest things one of the big takeaways like we're changing that culture like it's okay to say you're not okay is my officer came around and he goes fill out an exposure report so like if you go to a car accident you get blood on your bunker gear we're filling out an exposure report or during covid it was like anybody that sneezed in the room had to fill out an exposure report he goes well guess what this is what we're going to do now because in the era of ptsd and guys going through issues he goes now we're going to start documenting these hard cases to show Hey, we're going to start, we're going to start making that, that folder. So if something does happen that we're like, you know, we don't have to prove anything. Cause it's here great. It it's really smart. Yeah. And we're lucky that in the state of Pennsylvania, they're working really hard to take legis legislative action to take it from a PTSD where they would label an, a disability to a PTSI to show it's an injury. So this way, if you go to your boss and say, Hey man, like I'm not all right. They'll be like, okay, well, 
we're going to make sure that you can go talk to somebody or if you need, you know, uh, like an outside program, an outpatient thing, is that working? Yes, no. Start checking your boxes. Do you need something after that? But this is from that paperwork that my officer started was like, here you go. I thought that was pretty awesome. I think it's incredible. Like, it's very awesome. Yeah. More people need to do that. And in fact, they should be talking about it on administrative levels and and pushing it down the line and getting our people to document those difficult times because it's going to come back. Yeah, it's tough in one way or the other. You know, it doesn't always have to be something that involves like a child or a tragic house fire. For me, it would be like if I see a dog get whacked by a car, I'm going to be like, dude, I'm going home. Like. I want to go home and like, I want to hug my dog. Yeah. It's, but that's like in my head. Like yeah. it's just, you have, it's not always like what people think that would trigger you. hundred percent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well said. Very well said. And to recognize that too. I mean, that's, that's everything, right? We need to recognize that we need to, you know, we can't just compartmentalize this shit anymore and, and hope it doesn't show its head, you know? Yeah. And we, we know, a lot of the same people and there's a lot of guys in a lot of departments or different arenas that are going through some, some tough times right now right or now. losses. Yeah. And, um, I always like to reach out. I don't always know what to say, which is funny mm. because it's like, I don't shut up, but I always like when I reach out with that text, it's usually like, Hey, did you eat? And are you trying to get some rest? You know, because I'm, we're not always going to know what to say. Cause they're, how are you doing? Well, we're like, okay, thanks. Like, but Hey man, can like, our union president's great. Tommy, you know, if somebody goes through a loss in their family, the first thing he does is he'll go right to the supermarket yes. out of pocket and he'll go, he'll load up a cooler with water, beer, and food for a couple of days and some coffee and stuff like that. And I'll put it right on their step and, and just make sure you eat and make sure you're trying to rest. And that's two elemental things if you're going to try to get over that hump, you know? <laughs> it's being dialed in, man. It's being uh, taking care of your people. Being in tune with yeah. your people, knowing your people, um, all very important things that we can't lose sight of. We got to be, yeah. we got to be on top of that for sure. Sure. Let me ask you this: You talked about your two daughters um, and how important your family is. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the conversation today, you were talking about how instrumental it was with your upbringing in the firehouse as a kid, with your father yeah. holding court every single day in the afternoon. And all of that and how impressionable that was, uh, how impressionable you were with what that did for you. With your daughters, do you expose them to the fire service? Do you expose them to the firehouse? Do they know like you knew as a, so, as a kid? Yeah, I mean, we lived we lived that back in the firehouse, right? Like when they were taking the school bus to school, the, the school bus stop was across the street from the firehouse. Yeah. That so was like every day at three thirty when they were getting off the bus, and if I was working, the front bay door would go up, and there was a transaction that would go down. There'd be two packs of Swedish fish. We'd say, "Hey, how was your day? Don't tell your mother you got these." I love that. They'd go, and the, but like if I was running late, like if I was coming from somewhere, I'd call the firehouse, like, "Yo, the girls are getting off the bus." They'd like, "All right, we got them. No problem." They'd sit at the firehouse, saying, same thing. They they were probably getting Swedish fish. They didn't tell me about. <laughs> they used to call that neighborhood in Cardington Fireman's Row because it was all people that ran at the firehouse were there. It was all family. Man. Yeah. It was all community driven. And it was just like, it was a tradition that kind of carried on. A lot of people moved out, but the people that were still there looked out for you. And it the, was. The reason why I ask, right. Is I'm finding that there's a lot more people these days, a lot more fathers, 
mothers are not sharing the fire service or their children are not as interested as, say, we were years ago. And I wonder about that, and I thought you would be the guy to really dive in on this conversation a little bit, and that's why I kind of prompted you with that to see what it what it's like, right? And I even think of my my family, like my two older kids, my two younger kids, I think one out of four is showing interest, but my, yeah. my two others are already grown and out. They had no interest in the fire service. Um, and my, uh, my daughter Paige, who's 16, really doesn't have any interest in it, but Lily, who's 15, is interested and she's made some comments. Yeah. And so as she's showing some interest, I'm giving her more and more to think yeah. about. But I think about all the guys in my firehouse, and when I was growing up, every father that was, we didn't have any, you know, there were no women firefighters at that time. When I was growing up in the firehouse as a kid, all the fathers, their kids were there. Their kids hung out. Their kids were a part of the fabric of the firehouse. We all piled on top of the antique engine for the parade. We all, you know what I mean? And I look at it today, and I look at the firehouse today, and I think about how many guys don't bring their kids around or haven't really exposed them to it or their kids had zero interest in it. And I wonder why that is. Thoughts? I guess one of the hardest parts is, so if you think about it, like at a local level with your communities, the numbers are down for volunteers, right? True. So it's just like, and part of the reason for that is like, is time constraints. Like mm. people just don't have the time. On the career end, I would say it's mostly because of residency. So like if you don't have a residency and you're not living close, then those interactions with the kids in the firehouse aren't there. Um, but we're really lucky. Like we have a great like kids party every year and we like, we, we purposely hold it in the firehouse. Like it's in the firehouse. So like the kids get to hang out, they could see their dad's gear hanging on the wall. They get to walk around and get to see the pictures of their, their dads and stuff and families on the wall, like going to fires. They get to climb the fire truck. They do get that exposure. But the hard part is like, I don't, it's hard finding those like third and fourth generation families anymore because it's, it is getting lost. Right. So like my youngest cat, she loves it. We had a klaxon out back at the firehouse. Every time the klaxon was fire call, fire. She wants, she really, she's seven and she wants to do it. And I'm like, if that's the case, like go for it, girl. Like yeah. who am I, who am I to stop you? That's man? Right. She's, she's like, she's quick witted. She's funny. And if that's what she says, she wants to do it seven. I mean, that's what I was saying at seven. That's so. right. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I wonder about that. And I wonder, and I look at like my kids and I see how busy they are where, you know, we used to be able to play three different sports in high school. Now you play one sport in high school and then you have training and personal training and gym time and everything that goes along with that. And you look at like how busy children's lives have become. And I think that the focus shifts and, and we are so focused on our children today and all their extracurricular activities that I think, the firehouse has become secondary and in, in my house growing up, man, we, it revolved yeah. around that. Like I couldn't wait to get over to the firehouse. And my father was protective of it. He wouldn't bring us there at every moment's notice, but yeah. when we were allowed to go or we went over to see it or events they were having, it was just so special. And I just, I want people to think about that as they listen to this episode that like, I think it's important we expose our children to it. It is the greatest thing in the world, man. Whether career or volunteer, it's the greatest job. It's the greatest activity of the organization. Like, all of it. It has such a, a strong foundational grounding that it can really give kids mission and purpose and, you know, and, and a love, you know? Sure. 
Yeah, and I tell you what, like I know Eric Allen always he's always referring to tribe, right? Like that's Sebastian Junger's thing. Like it's it's awesome. Like I I cling to that. Like I love it. So yeah. tribe's always, a, and that's your community. So I would tell anybody like you're not just going to sprinkle fairy dust over top of the firehouse and make it like 1993 again. It's just mm. not going to right. But if you are looking for somewhere where you may want to move, like where you want to move to and, and settle down with your family, I would ask questions of do they have a community swim club? Do they have a boys club, a girls club? What activities are for the kids? Because that shows community involvement. So once that community's there, like if those things aren't there, you're not going to find people hanging around at three o'clock in the afternoon at a firehouse. You're just, you're just not like, there's no community involvement. Like that's not going to happen. But like a place like, you know, say like Ridley Park, they have a ton of things for kids to do, you know? So it's like, that might be something where they're walking past like, Oh, let's go check the fire truck out. Okay. You know, I think it translates a hundred percent to what you're saying, right? The firehouse represents the town and the community, right? And a, and a good fire department is typically in a good community. Um, and you know, community matters. And I think we need to get back on track with making our communities and our civic responsibilities, a bigger calling than it's been. I think it's gotten to the point where people don't really care or don't buy into where they live or become part of that fabric. They just live there. That's it. We yeah. need people that, to get more. The, and that's the hardest part is like, we always like going to the 4th of July parades and stuff like that. And every year it seems to be getting shorter and shorter. hundred percent. And you're like, uh, dude, and they're like trying to space it out. They're trying to make it something. And you're like, well, you got to show up because at least, at least thank them for their efforts. You know what I mean? Like get a couple pieces of bubble gum. But like 4th of July was like, that was my day. Like my dad loved that day. Like we'd always host a party. He'd bring the fire trucks around the neighborhood. We would block the streets off, have like yep. all these communities. So that's like when we think back and like we see what it is now and what it was, it's like, dude, I want that magic back. Like right? we need to. I do. And you and I talk a lot about this in a a lot of different ways, right? It might not be this conversation, but it could be something else, but it is that magic. Like we, we had this upbringing that allowed us to have this magic. I don't think the magic's dead. And, and there is not that magic fairy dust that you talked about. It takes hard work. It takes dedication. I mean, those are, those are things that I feel are, are missing. Like you got to put the work in. You want something good. You got to put the work in. You want to have a successful business, put the work in. You want to be a good firefighter, a good father, a good husband, put the work in. It's like nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta be willing to start over. Right. So maybe Mm. in an, that was lacking. Look at you bringing it right back around. I'm impressed. Freaking pro do it. (laughs) No, but one of the things is like, if you think you're missing, so like, when we're working in these firehouses and stuff like that, it might not be the, the kids come hanging out, but we'll try and go do like a trip together or we'll just to get everybody together. So yeah. even at that level, if you don't have kids or something like that, one of the best things I did was join Bobby and the guys with EFT because it's like, you have that bond, that tribe, that's your community at the moment when you're working together, like that's your community. You're fostering something to make it better. And then in the meantime, you're getting to meet other people and learn about their areas. So it's like, if that's how you're going to plug yourself in and recharge is being around guys with like minded, like that are really passionate about the job. That's how you recharge everything. Mm-hmm. That's how you get back. Like, yes, dude, like we can still make something happen. We can make it work or, you know what, we're going to go have a trip or do something together. If you don't want to do it. <laughs> when you put in the work, the, the return is tenfold. I mean, that's what I look at, right. It's like, you know, when you, when you make an effort to get together with friends that you haven't seen in a while or, 
with your training group with Eckerd Fire Tactics, you're you're you know part of that tribe, right? It's like when you guys get together and do it, your the value that you take from that, the return you get, outweighs yeah. all the hard work that went into it. I know it. Yeah, yeah. And you're traveling. You are spending those long hours on the road, and you may be like taking a beat and trying to put something together. Like, man, are we going to pull this off? Mm. And the people you meet and the conversations you have. It's just like, man, it's so worth it. It's like, it's like Christmas day. You know what I mean? Like usually Christmas day, you're exhausted. Like you're just so dumb, with, but it's like everything that you put into it that leads up to Christmas day. And then you make that magic happen on Christmas and you see the smile on the kids' faces and you see family. Like, it's like, yes, that's why I broke my butt and stayed up until, well, usually Heather stays up late. I'm usually like <laughs> after mass, I'm usually on the, <laughs> but yeah, I, get, like I totally get it. Work. Yeah. It's all hard work you know and it's all worth it for a reason i i agree with you a hundred percent so let's do this uh topics you wrote some stuff down i know you have notes throw something at me let's go what's what's one that's pressing you right now let's switch gears here let's dive in on uncle tony's notes oh my god two double-sided double-sided notes oh i write pretty big you know what i mean yeah i 40 so i gotta write i gotta write a little bigger i understand Uh, no, but I was like one of the things that you talked about was bridging that gap. Yeah. Right. So if somebody might be listening thinking like, man, well, how do I do that? Like, how do I try to create that environment? You know, somebody could be in that firehouse that has like 10, 12 classes and not have an ounce of people skills. Yep. But you could have, you could have somebody that works on taking boilers out of houses and maybe has like fire one and you have a rescue truck and it's like, well, how do we use this? Like, how can I leverage it? Like, Bridging the gap is having street smarts and book smarts and being able to overlap those things to make it work. You know? Connections, bro. Connections. You know, something I talked about, and this is this is very much like right in line with where we are. When, when I do my Bridging the Gap program, we talk about bridging that gap, right? It's a communicational gap, right? Generational communication, whether it's different generations, whether it's a plumber versus a doctor or, you know, whatever it is. We always have to find a way to work on the same level, and that comes through commonality, terminology, all these things that we need to have in common that then allows us to have allows us to fill that gap, right? To bridge it. So I talk a lot about like those older guys that like to tell stories and how we lose patience for them because we've heard the same story over and over. And I know, you know where I'm going with this because this is what used to happen every day at three o'clock in your firehouse. When you're growing up as a kid, you keep hearing the same stories over and over from the same guys. And we need to be more patient with them because we lack patience today. And so we yeah. need to be more patient. We need those guys to tell those stories. I need to know about 145 Main Street and when it burned down 50 years ago and everything yeah. that happened at that fire. And I deserve, he deserves, that individual that's telling that story deserves my 15 minutes of attention. He deserves yeah. me. He deserves the fact that I'm going to ask him the same questions every freaking week yeah. or every month because he's allowed to have that. And when we yeah. take that away from people... Man, does that shut them down? Like we it's their way to communicate, bro. Yeah, and it's dude, I tell you what, like the amount of conversations that I've got to have with some really cool people is unbelievable. But if you're gonna be silent in a quarter, mm. you're not gonna have a conversation, right? Like I got to have a sit in a suite at a Flyers game and sit next to Bernie Perron. <laughs> like 
two-time Stanley Cup winning yeah. Hall of Fame goalie. And I said, he was just sitting by himself. Like, everybody was, like, so intimidating. I'm like, I'm like hey, He's Mr. A... Pron, how are you? He goes, call me Bernie. That's <laughs> awesome. Hey, Bernie, how are you? I was like, and we were just getting a chat, and I was like, you got to tell me something. What's that? I said, what was the message in the locker room when you guys kicked the shit out of Russia? <laughs> That's awesome. See, that and right. Like, yeah, what did he say? I want to hear. So he was he was up front. He goes, coach just said, don't embarrass us. We got to win this one for the USA. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, my gosh. But it was, like, so simple. He, <clears throat> he kept it so simple. He didn't have, like, it all broken down and, like, this, that, yeah. It was just simple, right? Like a simple message. He was a simple man. And I got to have a conversation with him that's like going to last a lifetime. And I just thought that that was so awesome that it's just, you just got to talk. Like you just got to say something like, hey, how are you? Right? It goes back to what you were saying. That's how you were raised. Engage people. You don't want a quiet room. You want to be able to, if, if there's a moment of silence, who's going to be the guy that gets the conversation going again? I love that. And and I think that there's so much value to that. And that is where you truly learn. Like you want some you want to learn some life stories, life lessons, ask questions. Ask questions. That's what I do with this yeah. podcast. This is storytelling, man. Like it's my ideas and I get to talk as much as the guest, but it's it's documenting conversations that you and I would have with or without a camera and a microphone. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we got to do a better job at this. Ask questions. Be inquisitive and then entertain those guys. Some of those old guys don't have anything but that. Don't take it away from them. Give it to them. And then you know what? Drag another guy into the conversation to be like, hey, hey, Uncle Tony, I've heard this story a couple times. Let me grab Joe over here. He's never heard this before and drag him in. Like give that older guy the opportunity to tell his story over and over. That's what he's got. He probably has nothing else. He looks forward to the firehouse at three o'clock in the afternoon. Don't chase him away. Don't don't put him in a corner. Put him mm-hmm. front and center. Let him have a cup of coffee, pour a beer, whatever it is. Give him yeah. that opportunity. He deserves that opportunity. And we cannot be too short-sighted to take that away from them. We need to be patient and give him that time because one day it's going to be us, bro. Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. <laughs> Don't blink. Like we always say, like, man, how'd your kids get so big? Yeah, well, I blinked, you know? Tell and you, you see it. it now where you're like, man, where did it go? My and, young... But you still, like I said, it's okay to, like, it's okay to start over. Yes. Right? So it's like, if you're like, man, I, I really didn't spend as much time as I was like, okay, well, you have today. You have tomorrow, hopefully, because it's not guaranteed. But you can, you can go and make it. It's okay to start over. Like, if that's what your expectations are, then just go after it. If you're sitting there and you want to learn something, you don't even have to talk. Just go listen to somebody. Like go to go to somebody speaking at a community college or a town event. Or just just listen, and then maybe you'll be sitting next to somebody and be like, "Hey, how are you?" And the next thing you know, boom, you're making lasting friendships or you're learning something new. You know, I subscribe to the fact that my life is still not even half over. I put my life on a hundred year scale. I'm forty six. Awesome. I'm forty six years old. You're just getting. What are you going to do when you grow up? Exactly. Dude, that is exactly the message. You can start over a thousand times. If you didn't do it right, you fucked up a relationship, you didn't do it right the first time, go back and fix it. Make it better. Start over. Like, yeah. you, humility's humility. Yeah. It's a tough word for many people. And it's okay. I mean, that, and that's like one of the things, it's, it's like admitting it's okay to admit you're not okay. Yeah. Right? Like, I might not always be the best of like 
man, I haven't talked to this person. I haven't stopped there and seen him forever. And then you get like nervous about it. You're like, yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah. And then it's like one of your biggest, like you could pull up to a two story house that's flames out six windows and you're like, okay, we can figure this out. But you go walk into the supermarket and you see somebody from like high school and you're like, boom, I got to go the other way, man. Like, I don't know what to talk about. I got all this nervous energy and I'm like, I'm better with a fire rolling out a couple of windows and talking to somebody over at the produce section. <laughs> that is amazing. Cause you are a hundred percent, right? 100% right with that. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like, you can try and get better at it, but we know so many people and you've made so many relationships and it's okay to be like, I'm stressy depressy, right? Like people be like, man, you're really funny. <laughs> yeah. You're like, man, you're really funny. I'm like, thanks. It's anxiety, depression. Here I am. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's yeah. just, it's just what it is. Yeah, it is. You know? And there's so much to that though. But I think like the whole message today of starting over is just so important. Because people are so afraid of it. And uh, yeah. again, to take one step backwards to, to go four steps forward, it's worth taking that pause and stepping backwards. Yeah, and don't ever don't ever think that you're a failure. No matter where you're at, you can you can make something happen to some degree. And it's hard. It's super hard to ask for help. Right? So even if you can't ask for help, it's okay to be that person that tries to help others because and they may not be asking for help, right? So it's just like, hey, did you get something to eat or did you sleep? You know, doing little things like that, that could help them be like, you know what, dude, I, I forgot I haven't even eaten today. All right, let's go get some lunch. You know, yeah. you may not always be on the receiving end of it. You may be, like you said, you're always the one saying yes, 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 and doing, doing, doing. And when you're like, yo, I need 10 guys for this, and you're like, uh, well, <laughs> you know, and it could be, it could be, frustrating but at the same time too you know that you're doing a lot of good for others i mean that's that's like the fire service that's life family you know that's you're putting yourself out there to try and change somebody's life i am so happy that i've been able to grow like i have over the last few years crazy isn't it it is because i thought i had it all figured out i thought that i was on the straight and narrow that I had this idea of where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. And all of that now is in question. 46 years old. Think about that. I want to be the very best father, the best husband. Yeah. And then everything else is next. I want to be a good firefighter. I want to be a good business owner. I want to be a good operator. I want to change the game. I want to create legacy. There's all these things I want to do. And Ooh. Six years ago, seven, eight years ago, I thought I had it all figured out. And today at 46 years old, I feel like I'm just beginning. Like, I really well, do. It's not all ball bearings these days, dude. It's not. Ball bearings and gauze pads, man. Fletch, one of the greatest lines of all time. Absolutely. Look at the filth on these windows. Absolute classic. If you don't know what Fletch is, you're you're losing. You're too young. Go back. Watch classic 80s comedies. Chevy Chase. <laughs> Fletch is literally one of the best movies. I would put that in my top 20. Top 20, per se. Fletch is a, would, Fletch is a classic, bro. And I guess, I guess that's the hardest part with the fire service is 
there is that generational gap and you're wasting so many good movie lines on kids that haven't seen them and they're just staring at that's why you become the crazy old guy they just don't know your quotes and it's just like man i waste all my good stuff on you whatever when i do my presentation the first couple slides there's there's a slide of tommy boy in it and it's it's me i was tommy boy fat drunk and stupid it's no way to go through life i was tommy boy growing up and i talk about that in my bridging the gap class and i i break it all down and then i look around the room and I'm like, half these kids don't even know who Tommy, like Tommy, big Tom Callahan was like, he is no, they have no idea who Zelensky brake pads are. I'm like, we're, we're losing here. Right. And then, and then I have like breakfast club in it and a few other like classics. And I'm looking around going, I don't think this room gets this stuff, man. Like crickets. Well, at least you got Tommy boy. I got Ralphie from a Christmas story. I get it. Totally. Fred, so, like, Fred Gilly, it's, it's Italian. To the, to the, to the point where I got a, a, like a pink bunny costume that I have to wear at Christmas now. And they're like, I'm like I, would, I got a picture at the top of the steps with the bunny costume. I'm just like Ralphie. I'm like, I don't wow. Know. Oh, yeah, dude, I want a picture of that, please. Can I be on the I Christmas card mailing this year? Can you send me? Yeah, I have one. Usually after a couple glasses of the, uh, can the we please beef. use that as the podcast thumbnail for this? You send me that photo and that will be how your legacy will live on on the national fire radio channel is as Ralphie in his pink bunny suit. I wouldn't hate it. I mean, <laughs> here I am. If, if I'm making <laughs> everybody, everybody like, dude, it's so funny you say that. Cause like, I'm going through like all your past shows and stuff like that. I'm like, man, these guys have some really good pictures. And I'm like, I'm going through all my pictures and I'm like, Selfie at the bar, selfie with the kids. Perfect, perfect. Pictures of, like, other people and stuff. And I'm like, man, what am I going to use? But you know what? Maybe the pink bunny costume. I tell guys all the time, bro. They go, I go, hey, when I'm done with the podcast, they go, hey, a couple things I need. I need this, I need that, and I need a picture of you that you want me to use for the thumbnail. And they're like, okay. I said, yeah, just text it over. And everybody's like, "Uh, what kind of picture? I'm like, whatever you want. I don't care. Firefighting could be family. It could be anything you want. Yeah. Everybody always sends a thug fire photo of like, you know, sitting on the tail step after a job or something. I'm like, nobody ever sends me something just left field. So feel free. All right. it's, it's, since you asked nicely, that'll be the one. Yeah, that'll just be, no be. flyer shirt. Other than that, you're good. You know what? I can't promise anything, I know but uh, I know. just makes you late. You know what? And that's okay. Like if it's going to make somebody laugh then that's okay too. We can't always be serious. It also, well, that's it, man. Like we, too many people hold themselves to be too serious. Like life is short. I, I talk about, you know, as much as my life's not even half over yet, the hundred year scale that I talk about, it still can, it can be cut short quickly, very quickly, yeah. as we all know. And so why do we take ourselves so seriously sometimes? Maybe we need to loosen up a little bit. And it, it's stuff like this. It's having conversations mm. that I've been pretty tired lately going through the move, right? Like I haven't been at, at work as much just because we're going through the move. Got some things coming up. And I'm like, now I'm like, I got that, that rush after having like just a chat like this. I'm like, let's yeah. go. Like, let's, let's just, let's just go do something, man. Like, let's go tackle a project that you've been trying to get on. Like the nice thing was like, I got to sit here and just write notes down mm. just for this. And now I'm like thinking back, I'm like, Oh, wow. Like, you start thinking about things. It's like, all right, well, maybe we can get back to that. Maybe we can revisit that. We can work on that. Good things. All good things. You all know, because you said, let's do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. 
Yeah. It's that simple, man. Like it should be that simple. You know, I get a lot of a lot of people when I, I chat with them about, and they're like, "Oh, I love the show. I love this and that." I'm like, "Great. I'm I'm so happy you do." It's literally just. It's the same thing that if you were hanging out with me and we came to a firehouse and started talking with Uncle Tony, like it's just a conversation. But there's so much yeah. value that come out of these conversations because so many people are seeking different things, and so. I like talking, and this is not a. This is definitely not a shot at my guests by any means. I don't want to talk to the top ten percent of the American Fire Service guys that travel the circuit and talk to everybody. I do. They're all friends, and and they're and they're friends. But their message has been shared a thousand times on many different channels. I want to talk to just dudes, like regular dudes and and women yeah. that are firefighters, people that interest me, people that I know have a message. Tony, talking with you today. It's like you and I, our conversation for the last hour is going to hit a lot more people than somebody spouting off on, on making grabs and like all that stuff, because you can hear that in other channels. Like, I want to just yeah. go after the, just, just talk, man. Let's tell some stories and, and let's be protective of who we are and what we want. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing is what you're trying to push is. It's a conversation. It's not a competition. That's right. right. So it's like, I'm not here to be like, well, you're like, well, you know, my, sh when I, when I was on, like, I got 8,000 views. I don't care if I get three, you know what I mean? Like, that's, it. that's good if we got three, cause it's just going to be me, you. And then like one other person, we got to reach somebody, right? Your wife. So it's just like, it doesn't have to be competition. Just have a conversation. Every God, you, how do you know these things? Like, this is incredible. I had a, a phone call last night. You said that this conversation today is going to fire you up. Let's go do something. Let's take, let's go. I had a phone call last night from a buddy that uh, filled me in on some in information that I didn't know about. And it freaking fired me up. And I was like, that's the kick in the ass I needed because the last few weeks I've just been like going through the paces. I'm so busy. The schedule's packed and I've had no excitement to fire me up. And then I got this phone call last night. We talked for an hour, and it freaking fired me up, man. Oh, my juices are going. Let's go. Yeah. We need that, man. Start need You're it. starting now? But You're why restarting. Why does everything have to be a competition? That's where I was going with this. It was all about com competition and who's doing this and you're doing this and blah. I go, why can't we all do it together? Like when, when the mission is solid and everybody's doing it for the right reasons, the only time competition comes in is when it's selfish. When you're doing it for yourself. When it's yeah. selfless, it's not a competition. It's the very best you can be. And when you work together and we do collaborative projects and we work together, we make everything better. It's when we focus on ourselves and believe that we need to be better. I need to one up you. That is where we run into problems, and that's when this job gets torn down instead of being promoted forward. And people have lost track of that. There are people in this industry. There are companies in this industry. There are content distributors in this industry that have lost track of what this really is all about. And when you do that, we lose. Brother, it's not a competition. It's yeah. not. There's enough to go around for everyone, so let's go. And, and that's the big thing. If like, you think about if you're worrying about what the other person is doing, then you're not focusing on what you could be doing to make it better. 100%. So don't even worry about like that competition because if, if you have a quality product or a quality message, it shouldn't be hinged off of, well, somebody else did it. Now I'm just trying to make it better. No, just do, be original. Come up with, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. 
Like, you can make a lot of the world's problems go away by, like, just putting your phone down and don't watch the news. Like, it's sunny. I can't find a cloud in the sky down here. The leaves look great. Like, find something positive and be like, just make a difference, you know? Fucking love you, man. <laughs> I mean it. Like, this has been a, a great, great conversation. And um, yeah. this is why I do exactly what I do. Because I need this. I need this. Um, it's all. I appreciate you, man. So many well, good nuggets that came out of this. I appreciate you. It's pretty awesome. So what's next for you, man? Well, congratulations on the move. I'm sure you're getting settled. And uh, hustling. Always hustling. Dude, it's funny. Like, I caught my dad in the front yard, like, decorating for Halloween the other day. I'm like, oh, what do you do? He's like, I just got I'm getting rid of some things. Like, I'm just. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> It's all like we have friends with kids around us. Uh, Heather's like 10 minutes from work. I actually have to drive to work now, which I thought would be way more stress free. No, so much more time to get fired up. Like people driving, gas prices are expensive, bro. Like, you went from literally walking across the parking lot to get to the firehouse to now having to drive. That is a massive, massive change. Longest 18 minutes of my day driving to work. <laughs> when you walked across the parking lot when you lived in the backyard of the firehouse did you yeah. whistle while you walked across the the blacktop to get there because i could just I, see you just I, skipping along life is good you know what like uh i always enjoyed going to work and um we were so close to philadelphia like if we hear them like pegging the queue or something like that like we're like it could be a box run so we're like running in like it's it was always something like I really enjoyed it. Um, I loved the close proximity to the city. Like yeah. it was just like, we were just talking on it. Like, yeah, they're going to a border job, blah, blah, blah. Like, but the nice thing is now there is that separation. Yes. I did need that. Yes. I needed that. I needed that. Like it's, it's a tough urban area. We, we go to some tough calls and then I was just 30 seconds and I'm home. There was no release. Yes. Right. So even though I'm going through this move, like my stress level has gone like way down. Like my ability to start over. I was scared as hell moving here. Cause I'm like, dude, there's so many things to do. I got here. I'm like, Oh man, there's nice trees. There's a yard for the kids. People are waving. I'm away from work right now. Like on my off day, I'm like, this is cool. The, the ability to decompress before you get home of just a little oh. bit. And then to separate yourself so that, you know, cause if you're home in your old house, you hear that engine going out, Four to 14 times yeah. a day, right? Like, and you're just like, where are they going? Where are they got? Oh, it's on my phone. Where, what, what? Like, oh, it consumes dude. you. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's so funny. Like, I think the reason why my youngest Cassidy wants to become a firefighter is I was taking him to school one day and it hit a first two, like two blocks around the corner. <laughs> and I was like, this came out of the second floor bedroom. And I was like, I'm pulling down. I'm like, oh, it's down there. It's right in the alley. I take a shot in the alleyway. And I'm like, it's rolling out the rear. Cassidy's like, what's rolling out the rear? I'm like, that's, they're like, he's like, is that a house so far? I'm like, sure is. <laughs> like, put, put him in the right, they were in the front seat of buff mode, man. Like, moments, they were like, oh, moments wow. like that, bro. That's the hook. That's the freaking yeah. hook. Yeah. And it's, there is, there is that attachment, but it's nice too. And like the off days where it's like, all right, it's cool. Like, now it, it helps me like smile yeah. a little more. And I get to like, and then it's just like, all right, well, let's go do something. Yeah. Let's go. Corner. Hey, look, there's the firehouse. Like, hey, the yeah. bay doors open. Let's go say hi, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, listen, man, I wish you nothing but absolute success, full speed ahead for you with the new house, 
new endeavors, your family, your beautiful kids, all of it, man. I wish you just the best. And also with you. (laughs) Man, just the way you said that brings back my Catholic church days, right? And so I was going to say to you, and that is a fantastic way to segue, but I was going to say to you, the next time you sit in silence in your kid's church, say a little prayer for me, will you? I appreciate that. Always do, man. Always do. I know you do, and that's um, a, lot of, a lot of our a lot of our friends and family are always in those prayers, and uh, also to revamp the Phillies bullpen. Uh, that's in there. Uh, there. There's there's a few good intentions in there with my wishes. So uh, I got It's not always about others. <laughs> a lot of asks. A lot of asks. I love it. Yeah. Uncle Tony, thank you, brother. Tony Alosi, thank you, man. I couldn't thank you more than to just spend some time with me today, and it was nice to see your pretty face and to catch up with you, and uh, thank you. Do it again soon, brother. Thank you. We will, because I, you got two, side, two sides of that paper that we didn't even get to yet, but um, we will. We will for sure. But uh, I think a lot of great nuggets came out of this episode today, and um, it's just for me to be able to catch up with you and to do this, the world, man. Yeah. Thank you. means the world. Thank- Cool. Thank you. Stay right here. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to sign off the podcast. I'm going to come right back to you. So hang on one sec, okay? Got it. Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Uncle Tony, maybe we should call him Father Tony. Spends a lot of time in the church. Might be good for him. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Do me a favor. Take this conversation. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.